For over 75 years, Moses has served this region with hustle, integrity, and caring. Our core values are what make us the number one provider of complete customer care, from sales to our service and parts departments, all the way to our body shop. I'm Reeves Kurtner, and this is In Your Business. Season one of In Your Business is presented by Moses Auto Mall of Huntington. Online at MosesMeansMore.com. Empowered by the Huntington Regional Chamber of Commerce and Kindred Communications. This week, we're talking about franchises. What is a franchise? What are the misconceptions about franchises? The advantages, the challenges, and more. And we couldn't have a better guest for this week than Vicki Dunmarshall. Vicki owns and operates close to 30 Little Caesars franchises and is adding more to that total and also owns and operates Doghouse Beer Garden in Barbersville and has been a part of the Little Caesars franchise since she was 15 years old when she was a cashier. Let's get in your business. Vicki, thank you for sitting down with us. And um, let's get started by, you know, kind of introducing yourself, your background and your history with, with Little Caesars and, and Doghouse Beer Garden and Barbersville. How your, your history there. It's, it's a pretty cool story. Well, I don't know if you want to tell, tell the whole story. It's kind of lengthy, but I started when I was 15 years old at Little Caesars. It was my first job. I, I decided I was going to get a job and start earning my own money besides babysitting. And uh, Burger Chef, my cousin worked there, and Little Caesars had an ad in the paper, both both at the same time. So I applied both places and interviewed both places. Inter- first interview is kind of scary. Uh, I was offered a job at both, and Little Caesars ended up paying five cents more an hour. Right. So I had to take it. <laughs> right. And uh, just started my career there and uh, worked my way up. Uh, through, I became an assistant manager, which I was responsible with a key. I thought I was the, you know, the bomb with having a key to a restaurant. And uh, then I worked from assistant manager. I was offered a store manager's position. From there, I, I was offered a training store, a ma- training manager's position, then a supervisor. Then I, uh, because I had started in Little Caesars Family Inn, that was my first position. I had experience at full-service restaurants. Sure. So I worked that division of Little Caesars for a little while and then went into the franchise sales department. I've never heard of Little Caesars Inn. What, what was that? Little Caesars Family Inn. Yeah. Full-service full Italian restaurant. Okay. Steaks, seafood, Italian pasta, was, pizza. And, and, and this was all in Michigan, right, the, yes. this part of the story? Yes. Was that only in Michigan, the, the Family Inn? I think they had one in Florida at the time. Okay. But I started very young in the company. When okay. I, when I began with Little Caesars, there weren't that many locations Less than a hundred, sure. And and today, you know, there's probably six thousand. Sure. So, um, the family inn was a neat experience. They had liquor, waitresses. Uh, so I was one of the only uh, experienced people at the time in that field. So they offered that that position to me, and I trained a few franchisees that bought into the family inns, and then transferred into the franchise sales department after okay. supervision. And in franchise sales, you would want to buy a franchise. And you would go through the proper red tape and and uh, your classroom training, your financial training, right. all of yada, yada, yada. Right. And then you would be assigned to an operations person like me. Okay. And it was my job to hold your hand and get you from where you were to store opening with helping you with your construction, your your equipment and placement of your uh, your items that you needed i would help you hire right and then i would come and help you open the store from day of opening 
I would work open to close for two weeks solid okay. with you. I would teach every single one of your – it was usually I, – I, I say I, but it was usually two of us. I would, we would teach every one of your employees, cross-train them all, plus you, and then walk away and then follow up periodically to make sure that you were successful in what you were doing. Did you ever think about becoming a, a franchisee yourself during all this? Oh, yes. And, how did, that, and, yes. and when, you know, how did all that process start for you? I watched – how I could teach people how to make money and be successful. And I, I was basically responsible for their, their future. And I was getting burned out. I was on the road. My I was probably 21, 22 years old. I understand. And I was on the road 44 weeks that year. Entire country? I mean, well, we were, I weren't was, countrywide yet. I think I had Florida and Wisconsin and Ohio and Michigan. Pretty big territory. And, and a little bit of Kentucky because we had just started entering in Kentucky. Okay. And I decided – I woke up in, in Wisconsin one morning, and I didn't know where I was. I was in Appleton, Wisconsin, and I, I had to look at the phone book to recognize which hotel room I was in. Wow. And I said, enough is enough. Sure. I've got to get out and do this for me. And at the time – 22 years old and I didn't have a boyfriend I didn't my girlfriends were getting married I was a bridesmaid many times over and I just thought oh you know I can't keep going like this so I had an uncle in Kentucky who I had known through family visits over the years and I was actually I was opening a store in Louisville and asked if I could pop over and say hi of course they wanted to they wanted to and uh, I showed him the limited financial information I had on the franchise and he loved it he said it was uh, uh, an all cash business with no inventory at the time we didn't take credit cards so it was totally right. all cash right. and he, he absolutely fell in love with it and he was just about to go into retirement and he changed his mind so we partnered together and we bought the territory of Lexington Okay, and, and together we opened three or four stores my, my father who I left out Along the way in this story, I had always approached my father to back me. And I, Kalamazoo, Michigan, that market came available. And I said, Dad, please, I can do it. I can do it. And I think I was 17. And he said, no, it was two hours away from Mom and Dad. Okay. And he wouldn't do it. Okay. So when I decided to go out on my own, I asked him to be involved. And he was still so skeptical. Just very, very conservative. Sure. So when I did it with my uncle, my dad got, you know, firsthand knowledge that it was working. Sure. I, I was what I Is said your dad's I was. Brother? Was it your dad's brother? No, it was my mom's sister's husband. I got it. Okay. All right. So he, he bought uh, the franchise in Richmond, Kentucky, and came down and uh, opened that store in 1984. And it turned out that my relationship with my uncle kind of fell apart. We... We, uh, I learned one of my most, most valuable life lessons is choosing your partners carefully. And uh, we, we didn't. We weren't a match. So I, we split up, and I went with my parents. And my goal was always to open 75. I wanted this, this, this huge empire. And uh, we went and looked at West Virginia, which was wide open at the time. No ties here, right? No ties. And uh, I remember on on Easter Sunday driving over here because I was working every single day in the restaurant in Richmond and there were four exits on the interstate. Oh my gosh, Richmond only had two. Got it. 
So I was sold. And soon after that, we, we had our first location in Barbersville, and and I've grown it as many as 28, and I've, I've created a lot of entrepreneurs underneath me, sold off stores to several employees. That's great. I think I probably have seven franchisees out there that had worked for me at right. one point. Right, right. So I just – and I'm, I'm acquiring stores now and, and building new ones and – Selling them when it makes sense. It's a it's an awesome story. It really is. Um, and let's let's start with you know if what is a franchise? A franchise is a license to operate under a brand. Okay. It's supposed to be what you pay a royalty for a franchise, and 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 in most cases a marketing fund. So a franchise is a proven operating system that's supposed to be tried and true with uh, resources behind you. So that they can help you to be a successful entrepreneur. Sure, and, and talk about you know for for someone starting a franchise today, which you know obviously you have a long history with with Little Caesars, but you have a new history with Doghouse and Barbersville. That's that's a newer story. But what's that process of like? Hey, I want to start a franchise in this town. Walk me, walk us through those steps of 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 the idea to getting it done. Okay, so you have a good concept. Uh, let's say it's a widget manufacturer, and you want to franchise that out. Uh, first of all, it's very expensive to do. Okay, you have to go through an extensive legal process, uh, government approval, so forth, so on. Sure. Uh, you have to, if you're going to sell your franchise, you have to be able to support the person who's purchasing it with a perfected system of operating. Sure. Perfected product, whatever it is you're doing. And, and then continuing to support that as they grow, you grow. A lot of the young franchises fail because they, f- they fail to monitor that. Right. The growth is – somebody thinks your product is great, you should franchise it, but you yourself aren't able to carry on that, that, um, that life of a franchise and a brand. So it's not for everybody. Yeah. So when you choose your franchise, you should choose it carefully. Again, you choose your partner. That's that's yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it, it needs to be a good fit. For instance, I, I've been looking at franchises for I don't know, fifteen years. Always looking, always testing. Been to the dance with several of them. Right. They they you you apply, they approve, they invite you in for a discovery day, you go. Then they court you, and you court them, and you figure out if it's a match. Well, they're not always a match. Right. And you have to believe, first of all, you have to have a passion for the product or whatever you're getting involved in. It could right. be a tire repair place. You have to have a passion for whatever you're getting involved sure. in. Sure. It can't be about the money or it's always going to fail. That's right. And then you have to make sure that the team that you're partnering with is going to service your needs. You're paying them a fee. That's right. You're paying them for a service. An upfront fee yep. and then an ongoing royalty sure. for their expertise, their knowledge, and what you believe of them. It's not always easy. Let me ask you this. Do, do, you, know, you said you've gone to the dance several times. Do, do, do they want to dance with you more or do you want to dance with them more? Or is it, I guess, every case would be kind of different. Every, you're right. Yeah. Every case would be different. However, I'm a multi, multi-store franchise of, of food. Right. So anybody in the food world would want to dance. Uh, Makes sense. Because of an experience. 
you know, they're in the process of selling franchises. They make money off of how many they can sell. That's right. The more they sell, the more fran- the royalties come in. Sure. And if you can get an experienced multi-unit operator to come in, and like like Doghouse, when I signed up with them, I signed up for the whole state of West Virginia. Well, that's a whole lot better for that franchise than Absolutely. selling onesies, twosies. So um, I would say, but it, in the food industry, I would be sought after. Absolutely. Now, if it's a hair care salon, I, I have no experience. Right. They're not going to. I have business experience. Sure. That's attractive. Yes. But I have no experience in that industry. That makes so, sense. So they're not going to go so, after me. So you mentioned um, something that was interesting, like, you know, the, the, the corporate, the franchise or um, providing that support when you get started and then continuing. What kind of support does Doghouse and Little Caesars continue to provide for you now? In a food and we can right. talk about food. Yeah, we, we can food, make, yeah. In a food brand, anytime you have more than 50 locations, you have to do uh, calorie menu labeling. Okay. With calories and and uh, all of nutritional sure. facts. So that's a very expensive en- endeavor. You have to take your food products, which you should have them consistently a standard method of producing the same product. Let's, let's say it's it's a hot dog. Okay. We're, we're making a hot dog, and you have a consistent method, a, a recipe that is followed sure. you know, religiously. That's right. Well, that franchise or has to take their food and take it to a lab and get it tested. Right. That's very expensive. Sure. So the franchises that are under 50 have an advantage over the ones that are right. uh, larger. So what you get when you pay for a franchise is the system, the operating system, right. the consistency of the recipes. You get buying power, which is huge. Right. For ingredients. And, for ingredients. Right, right. For instance, my buying power with Little Caesars compared to the mom and pop pizza place down the road, which has a fabulous pizza, right. they, they have to charge – Sometimes three times more than me. That's right. Because of the buying power. That's why Little Caesar can do a a five ninety nine hot and ready, right? I mean, right. Yeah, it's sure. a hu- huge misconception sure. that we're cheap pizza and we we have awful ingredients. That is not true. Sure. We have the finest ingredients. We're just able to produce and sell, at, and we we choose to take the value road in our marketing. It's like the, the Henry Ford model, right? The the more you make, the 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 more affordable that it can be. And true. Yeah. So misconceptions, let's talk about those. I mean, what are the misconceptions that people often have about owning and and running a franchise? Uh, You hear a lot about local, local, local. Sure. Shop local. Right. Uh, I live here. I have raised my children here. Well, I've been in West Virginia for 35 years, so I consider this home. Absolutely. Well, just because I purchase a franchise, which is an a tried and true system and I'm paying a fee to have that supposedly support and perfection I'm labeled as not local okay this person doesn't have a clue how much money we spend in the community sure. how much support we give the pizza donations alone um, I think we did a, stu- a, a recent study on this because I wanted to use it in a, a leadership meeting we have donated 300,000 pizzas wow. <laughs> to the food banks of West Virginia. That's amazing. Because our system is we hold a pizza for 30 minutes and then we consider it not sellable. Okay. 
totally edible. Right, of course. But uh, we donate all of those pizzas. Sure. Community events. You, you mentioned that. You do support the community, the food bank. I did not know that. That's that's amazing. Is that something that, again, let's talk about, again, franchises. And, and is that something that corporate wants you to do? Or is that something that, that Vicky wants to do on your your involvement in the community? Uh, corporate has some suggestions on what we should do and what would what benefits us as franchise owners, uh, but I live here, right? And I'm I'm involved in the community, so we ex- expand that. We have a few local programs like Pizza Paws, for example. We collect uh, funds to assemble the needs of the canine officers around the entire state. That's something we created, and corporate is now behind us and loving us for doing it. And we're having a lot of fun with it. Um, other things that we do are they're involved with the, the employees that I have. Well, if you work for me and I, I understand and I get to know you and understand your passions and what your beliefs, and I say, okay, well, you know, maybe Reeves likes um, a certain charity. So we get behind that charity as a company because we support you. That's right. So those are the type of local store uh, events that we get involved in. We call it local store marketing. How many employees do you have? Uh, close to 600. Wow. That, that's uh, that's a lot of people. So, and, and I want to talk more about that in a second. But are there things that when you talk with, with corporate, hey, it might work in Michigan, it might work in Wisconsin or, or whatever, but we don't think that will work in West Virginia or that we think will work in West Virginia but not in other places. How you know, Adapting to local preferences, is that a conversation that, that you all have? It is. I'm very involved in Little Caesars leadership. I'm, I sit on a couple boards that advise, and what works in West Virginia may not always work in Detroit. Are there any examples you can think of on that? Fresh Italian sausage is what Chicago and even Cleveland up, up in that area. Not necessarily Michigan, but okay. Chicago and Cleveland yeah. that I know of. You had to use a raw sausage that was real goopy on your fingers to spread on pizza. West Virginia didn't care for that. Okay. So we didn't we didn't have to adapt to that. So there's local preferences. Yeah. And that they'll let you have those, those local preferences. Again... When you're choosing a franchise, choose your partner wisely. That's right. Do you want to have a, a voice? Do you want to have a say? Yeah. Do you want to be involved right. in the in the direction and the future of yeah. where you're going? What about marketing and, and advertising? What um, Obviously, Little Caesars is a huge national advertiser, um, official pizza of the NFL, I mean, the, this past year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you NFL season is uh, you know getting ready to start, might have already started when, when this airs. But then again, you all... Do your own local advertising. Talk about that. How what what does corporate do? What do you do locally when, in terms of advertising? They give the guidelines. They give an uh, you pay a national French. Uh, excuse me. You, you pay a national marketing fee, and that includes a percentage of your sales. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You pay X that gets you X. So then you fill in with you know the the t-ball signs on the fences or the the local radio buy or the sponsorship of of the many things that we sponsor women warriors is coming up we're, Absolutely. we're a major sponsor there uh, so we choose based on what the community needs sure and how we feel like it's going to help it's got to be a win-win sure and, and then and also to kind of add on that if if you correct me if i'm wrong but if, if corporate is doing a nfl buy 
locally, you shouldn't probably, you don't need to do something like that, right? You don't need to kind of fill in, though. You don't need to double up. They're, they've already got that handled. So let's, again, let's do more of those community, local type things. Again, that's part of the franchise advisory. Sure. You you don't, let's say you don't know what to do marketing-wise. You, you're a brand new business owner and you're looking to the guidance of the franchisor, such as Doghouse, for example. Doghouse has a whole template of what we should do marketing-wise and it's up to us to fill in the underneath what we should do locally. And we we call them. We, I have a call uh, later today with them. And we ask questions, and they, again, not everything that they suggest from California works for West Virginia. Of so it's a, it's a back-and-forth conversation. Sure. Then we decide on a, a direction, and we, uh, you know, pencil it in. Moses Allmall of Huntington has been the region's premier Cadillac dealership for over 20 years. To see our selection of new and pre-owned Cadillacs, visit us online at mosesmeansmore.com. So we've kind of hit on some of the, the advantages of having that support system uh, you know, from a franchise. Or um, what are some of the challenges um, that, that you've seen you know, being a franchisor, being a franchisee? I can tell you uh, uh, an exciting one. I had a belief that our menu at Doghouse Beer Garden needed to have uh, salads. They they don't offer salads. Okay. It's it's just their their food lineup just was uh, very high end ingredients, but it was it was bar food made kind of on the organic side. Sure. You know, just high end, no no additives, yes. no fillers, no GMOs on anything. But they didn't offer salads. Okay. So family was going to go in and eat there, and maybe you and the kids want a burger or chicken wings, yes. and, but your wife wanted a salad. Right. We had, we, we had lettuce wraps, but we – so they – I beat them up on that. Yes. And they, they're allowing me to put salads in. Awesome. So that's the, that's the relationship with the franchisor. Right. That's great. Talk about – the day-to-day operations of managing multiple locations. I know you have a, a great team, but what what is the day-to-day like with running 27 Little Caesars, uh, 28, 27, 28 Little Caesars in, in a doghouse? <laughs> what day is this? Yes. What time is it? <laughs> um, some of the challenges today are so different than they were. Of course. Last year, right? the year before. Pre-COVID. Exactly. Right? Remember that whole thing? Exactly. <laughs> Challenges today are around the culture and staffing. What do you what do you mean? Everybody has a different viewpoint of the work week, of the job, yeah. of loyalty to a job, work ethic. Uh, the opinions and and cultures are just changing, evolving. So it's up to us to try to figure out how how can we be a fun place to work right how can we be better or stand out in the field um it's just one challenge after another you we we have a great this is an example we have a great employee comes in works a three days this week and he's just he's on fire we praise him we say gosh you you've, you're doing great you're awesome the next day he doesn't show up he quit his job and he doesn't even tell us why right so we can't. I can't help develop people if I don't know how. Sure. So that's that's one of my yeah. favorite. I'll give you a great example. My uh, senior 
uh, leadership team, my COO, we were talking about filling in some some vacancies in uh, district supervisors. So I really had liked this one person that worked for me as a manager, and he left over personalities. Sometimes that happens. Of course. Personalities, uh, you know, if I could teach anybody something, I would say don't let that direct your career because personalities change. People come and go all the time. That's right. This person left a career over a personality challenge. Anyway, I reached out to to him and, and said, you know, I've always liked you. I think there's a place for you. We need to talk. Just checking in on you, seeing how you're doing. No response. No response. Right. That, to me, is such a fail. Sure. Uh, anytime anybody wants to sit down and talk to you about your career and where you could grow in life, right? you need to jump That's in. That's right. That's right. Never burn a bridge. You never know. You're right. And if somebody wants to talk, there's no harm in that. Just sit down and talk. Um, what about food costs? Though you know that's been in the news uh, a lot the last year and a half, two years. Um, cheese is expensive, uh, right? So I mean, talk about those those challenges and and you know how you're able to manage those. We have uh, seen unprecedented increases in product prices, ingredient prices, right? And it has forced us, and the first time in 15, 20 years, I'm not quite sure how long. Sure, we had to take a price increase. And then after we did, lo and behold, we didn't take enough because the, the, the ingredients kept right. rising and rising. Sure. So we've had to take three price increases in the, you know, in the last three years that have helped us survive. Sure. Of course. Uh, there's so many, so many non-franchises and even franchises that didn't make it through this COVID That's crisis. Right. That's right. And it's, it's a shame. Well, let's, and let's talk about that. Little Caesars was known for the $5 hot and ready. I mean, it's, that's something yeah. I think in 20 years people will still remember. In your opinion, how do you think you know Little Caesars has adapted to that, kind of shifting away from that $5 hot and ready um, you know, slogan that was beat into our head for the last you know 30 years or so? Well, the price now is six forty nine, and far far away from $5. That's right. But See, I thought it was five ninety nine. <laughs> if you look at relevance... Uh, you can't go to one of the fast food places for lunch for for less than, I mean, ten dollars is, is that's right is yeah is easy yes to spend. You can still feed a family of four on our product. If Absolutely. You, if you got a pizza, order of crazy bread, and even a two liter, you're you're paying eleven. Absolutely. Twelve bucks with tax, something like that. Sure. How, where can you feed your family? Sure. I mean, we're still we're relevant. You're still value driven, right? Yes, we're still in essence the five dollar place to go, right? Uh, it's just the price has increased, right? And as has everything else. As, <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Um, you know, on the on some of these challenges, you know, uh, with employees and cultures and and food cost, how does how does corporate assist in that? They give us best practices. Uh, it's it's almost easier to talk to other franchisees. That corporate isn't supposed to be advising us how to run our business. Right. That's controlled with with uh, franchise laws. Sure. So uh, they offer us best practices. They collect best practices from all the franchise operators, and collectively we can adapt to what's what works for us in our markets. Sure. Others, other markets aren't the same. Sure. If you're in a big city. 
it's it's not the same as a rural West Virginia. Of course. Um, we we talked about this a little bit too, and I want to I want to jump on um, you know financial considerations, and I, we don't need I don't want exact dollars and cents uh, totals, but starting a franchise, um, you know what. Give us, if you can, some insights into the initial investment required for starting a franchise. To start a franchise sure. or buy a franchise? Buy a franchise. Okay. Buy into a franchise. Buy Sorry. into a franchise. When you are interested in a, in a franchise, you apply. Tell them you're interested. Yeah. They will give you an application. And if you're approved on that application, they will give you an, what is called an FDD, Franchise Disclosure Document. It has all of the answers of what you're you're asking okay. inside there, and including sometimes the profitability of their their brand. Okay, and the the examples of how if you ran a typical store, uh, what your expected results could be. A lot of times they will not disclose that information, and they give you a list of phone numbers of franchise existing franchisees to call, sure. ask questions. And figure out if it's a match for you. Sure. What about ongoing, um, you know, revenue sharing or royalty uh, structures in ongoing franchise agreements? What what percentages? Or how, how does is that a flat fee per store? Is it a percentage of sales? And you also mentioned like the marketing. A portion of your sales go directly into the marketing fund. But you know, again, someone that's that's looking to buy into a franchise, um, what are those agreements typically like? So. You, you look at a franchise, you, there's an entry fee that buys you the license. Then once you're approved and you, you get your, your operation up and going, um, there's an ongoing royalty fee usually, and it's, it's variable. Of, you know, a, an oil change place could be far different than a Little Caesars. That's right. Then there's also a marketing fee, a national marketing fee. Sometimes it's half a percent of sales. Sometimes it's 6% of sales. Okay. Just depends on the brand and how it's working. Sure. So a, a franchise could cost you anywhere from 1% of sales to maybe 15% of sales, depending on who you're getting involved with and what they're spending the money on. Moses Automall of Huntington has been the region's professional-grade GMC dealership for over 20 years. To see our selection of new and pre-owned GMCs, visit us online at MosesMeansMore.com. Yeah, let's talk about future uh, outlook and uh, outlook and growth. And, um, and I'll, I'll go back. You said you started at Little Caesars when you were 15. I mean, to you, what's been the biggest change in, in Little Caesars since you started when you were 15 years old? Well, gosh, when I was 15, I had no idea what a, a company looked like and how it operated. So growing up with it. Right. You have, literally. I have. Yes. Yeah. Um, I've seen some errors. I've seen presidents of the chain come and go. And I've seen – I've been involved in some of those bad choices over the years. Sure. And we've recovered, uh, thankfully. Sure. Uh, and believing in the – Believing in the people and the organization and the team is so powerful when you're going to be involved in a franchise, because and having that relationship so that you have an you have a voice, you have an opinion, somebody's listening. That's right. That's important. That that would be very very important. If you're 
you know, given a royalty fee, a marketing fee, and they're not listening to you, that would be very, very frustrating. But it sounds like, again, like you've said a couple of times now, choosing the right partner, and that's a partner that will listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some franchisees don't require that. Their their system is so tried and true, you're just buying the system. Okay. And you take it, and maybe it's a coin car wash. Okay. That's a franchise. They they have the equipment, the buying power, the signage, and all you do is buy that franchise and plug it in wherever you're going to plug it in, and you, you you need not talk to those folks. That's right. So franchises are all different. Sure. And food is different. I mean, food yes. especially is, is so different. Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, what do you, where do you see the, the future of, of Little Caesars and, and Doghouse? What's, what's, what, where do you see Little Caesars in 10, 15 years? Uh, I see Little Caesars continuing to be a major player in the pizza industry. Uh, I can't predict where or how, but um, there's so many uh, competitive brands out there with us. Yes. And, and they're all good in their own way, and everybody's an expert in a certain area. Um, Doghouse, that level of restaurant right now with the economy is struggling. Anybody that has a sit-down restaurant is is struggling somewhat, whether it be with their food costs, their staffing levels, or in sales in general. When when the economy is tight, the middle folks are having a tough time. When they're spending more at the grocery store, there's less to go out and have fun. That's right. Take the kids out on a Saturday night. Um, so we're all struggling a little bit sure i look forward to that changing but i don't see that doing uh changing very soon with the economy on the flip side with with economy i mean when the economy is is tight um is that better for little caesars being a value driven it is brand like that it is yeah we're able to be the value person to sure. feed a family for a certain yeah. amount what about the future of of um you know your your personal future. I mean, are there any expansion plans or new things, new initiatives that you're excited about? Uh, we've taken on the market of Cincinnati. There we go. Where where? Let's talk about that. Where, what is your territory? Southern West Virginia, okay. which goes from Huntington, Charleston, South. Okay. I have Beckley, Lewisburg, Summersville, Oak Hill, uh, Beaver, Bluefield, Princeton, okay. Logan. All of those southern territories. Then I go into eastern Kentucky, and we're we're actually under construction in Moorhead right now. Okay. And what is e- Moorhead, Richmond? Is that uh, that area? Moorhead is uh, the furthest we go into Kentucky. Okay. And then Ashland. Ashland. Yes. Tight to, to, to about Moorhead. Okay. I'm in Ironton, Ohio. Okay. And then we bought some. We acquired some stores in northern Kentucky, just under the the river in Cincinnati. Right. And picked those up in January, and we're doing well with them. It's a, it was a turnaround. And we decided we are going to take on the market of Cincinnati. And we're acquiring stores and building brand new ones. How many stores are in Cincinnati? Well, I think there's probably 30, 35. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. Um, something, and I didn't, I didn't plan to go over this, but, you know, talk about the Little Caesars food truck. Uh, the, what do you? What's the official name? I'm sorry. The, the <laughs> Little Caesars uh, Mobile Kitchen. Mobile Kitchen. Um, if you've never seen this thing in pers- person, 25 feet, 27 feet long. Yeah. Uh, it's I mean it's huge. I mean it, yeah. it's like a semi truck, and you it's a full blown. Talk. What's the background on that? And talk about how you use that. Um, that's the, not a corporate thing. That's no, it's not. <laughs> no. Remember the regatta? Yeah. Okay, we were a sponsor of the regatta many years. 
every year we went on. And we did it for Huntington, Ashland, and Ironton. And I had this little concession trailer, and we would deliver pizzas to the concession trailer and sell them by the slice out to the, the crowd. Right. Then we evolved into having a little teeny oven in there. Okay. And we were trying to manufacture pizza. We were always getting – we couldn't produce enough. Couldn't keep up. Sure. So I, I get requests all the time for uh, opening a Little Caesars in tertiary markets that aren't large enough to build a brick-and-mortar store. Sure. So I came up with the idea – this is several years ago. What if I built – a smaller version of the Love Kitchen. Do you remember the Love Kitchen that would come to town? I Slightly. Refresh my memory, though, please. It was a semi-truck. And the back end of the semi was a complete kitchen. Okay. Walking cooler, oven. And we would bring that in usually once or twice a year and just feed the the homeless. Yes. And park it over there at the city mission. And, and then we would uh, uh, call all the the organizations that I, I think that the food bank coordinated it where they had all of these pantries and they would come to the pizza the love kitchen and pick up you know stacks of pizza take them back to their their folks and we love doing that so we took that love kitchen around the state four or five stops and I thought well we could do that right. here so I started investigating the truck and, and I had it custom done. And cost me almost as much as a brick and mortar store, <laughs> and it was a drivable. It was an ambulance. Uh, the can, front. The okay. front mm-hmm. was a fi- Ford Ford F five fifty. Okay. Ambulance kind. Of, it says all these empty slots where the buttons were supposed to go for for uh, uh, ambulances. I wish I had the button where you could change the red light. Yes. You know, I'd pay for <laughs> one of those. Um, so I, we we created this, and we we uh, started picking areas that we thought were close enough to having a brick-and-mortar location, and we would go there once a week. And the idea is to be consistent. For instance, West Hamlin, we would, we, we've gone there on Thursdays now for probably five years. Yeah, and they know you're going to be there on a Thursday. Yes. Yeah. And when we don't show up on a Thursday, we're letting them down. Right. It's like almost having your, your business closed. So, um, the, and the mayor of West Hamlin frequently tells me why don't you open a location here the demographics don't support it got it so having this this truck is serving the community it's giving them an option that maybe they didn't have before is it a money-making project for us no should it be yes i mean we could perfect it and get it but it's not it's it's more about serving those communities with our brand and we we did some mistakes on positioning where we should take it what what days were what towns, but the, the idea is to have it go out five six days a week. Right. Have you put it somewhere and gone? You know what? We could put a store here. Has that yeah. helped? That Moorhead. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you looked at the numbers. You're like I bet we can do this seven days a week here. Basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, I'm about ready to wrap up. Um, you know, we've I think we've talked a lot without. Specifically, saying, "Hey, you know, advice for aspiring franchise owners, um, you know, franchisees." We've talked a lot about choosing your partner. Any other advice that you would offer someone that that wants to uh, invest in a franchise, buy into a franchise? There are counselors. Uh, a good friend of mine 
started a, a business where she is a consultant for people looking to get into a franchise. So there are those resources out there. Sure. So somebody who has business experience and tried and true has been there, done that kind of thing. She is now a, a resource for folks that they, they think they want to – maybe they're retiring, they want to buy a franchise, their, their children might be involved in it. She's a resource that can point you in all the different directions, kind of like doing like a, a personality test to find out what you're matched for. Right. What your finances are matched for, what your work ethic is going to work out to be. It's a lot different than buying the coin car wash that you visit once a day and collect coins and fill up the soap. Sure. Versus a food franchise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So right. There, there's resources. That's great. Available. So, so do that research. Use those, those resources. Um, what's 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 the thing? Some of the lessons that you've learned in your career. Oh my gosh! I thought you wanted to wrap up. <laughs> I have I have learned a lot. Yeah, and yeah. still learning. Hopefully, right? Yes. 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 Okay. Yeah, I got into uh, several side ventures. You know, the real st- we we I had a family that came from the construction world. Okay. So we started when they when we stopped building little Caesar stores, we needed something for them to do. So we started buying fixer uppers, which led to getting some rental properties well guess what i had to i had to learn how to be a landlord okay i had to learn how to do leases and run a a a business of of rental properties there that there's not a franchise for that that's right and so a lot of mistakes there but i think we run a pretty clean operation now pretty efficient yeah got it kind of got the system on autopilot this has been in your business I'm Reeves Kurtner. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, share, and even leave us a review. Season one of In Your Business is presented by Moses Auto Mall of Huntington. MosesMeansMore.com and powered by the Huntington Regional Chamber of Commerce and Kindred Communications. This is Jason Moses, Executive Manager of Moses Auto Mall of Huntington, where Moses means more. Thanks for listening to In Your Business.